Okay, so I have a funny story. Ooh. It actually happened yesterday after y'all left. So mm-hmm. yesterday, Belle Mars and her friends and my friend, we all went to an event. It was really nice. There was free food. And uh, but I, I got there late. So, you know, how in, like we live in Houston. So, you know, how in Houston, there are different types of parking like yeah. bots or whatever. Um, some of them you have to type in your license plate. Some of them you don't. I happened to park in this lot that was across the street from like this really busy uh, like bar area. I paid, I shoved all this stuff in my, like my purse. And then I like sped walk in my heels as fast as possible to this place. So I was like, I'm late now. Um, We had a good time. We were there till like 10 something. It was fun. We ate great things. I go to the bathroom. I get out of the bathroom. I'm waiting for Bell Mars to come out so we can all walk out together. And it occurs to me, I was like, did I put a receipt that I paid on the hood of my car so that they would know that I paid. Uh, So like, I'm like, I'm sitting there and like, obviously I didn't react because I didn't want to freak anybody out. But like on the inside, I'm like, oh my God, what if they towed my fucking car? Oh Oh, no. I was like, what if they towed my car? Oh, So we separated from Belmars and our other friend, um, Michael Myers is what I'll call him today. Michael Myers walked with me. He's so nice. So much mm-hmm. nicer than everyone thinks. Walked me to my car and to the lot, right? It was right. still there. I was like, thank God. But then my thank God turned into, oh God, why? Because <laughs> like there was two boots on my wheels, like on the driver's side of my car. Oh, yeah. and, like a, and like a sticker that was like, hey, bitch, you didn't pay the fines. Like you, <gasps> you didn't pay the parking fees. Here's a fine. Call this number to get the boots off. Because if you try to move your car, you're not going to get nowhere. Um, so I call the number. I tell the man where I am or whatever. I read off the crap for the sticker. And then he's like, I asked the dude on the phone. I'm like, hey, if I paid for the parking ticket, like to park here, but I just forgot to put it on my dashboard. Are you still going to charge me? It was like $119 to get them off. Right. And he's like, oh, I don't know. You'll have to ask the driver. Right. And he's like, it'll take 20 minutes. So I'm sitting in the car with Michael Myers again, super nice guy, um, <laughs> waiting for the for the boot guy to get there. Um, it passes by pretty quickly. The boot guy drives up in a car and I look and I see it's a black dude. And I'm like, thank God, <laughs> I'm a black man. <laughs> Maybe I'll have some sympathy. And so he pulls up. He's like, hey, um, you paid your parking like thing, right? And I was like, yeah. I was like, do you need to? He's like, no, no, no. I have all that information. He's like, so you don't have to pay the full thing, but I still have to charge a service charge. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm a dumbass. I'll pay for my actions, right? <laughs> right. So it only ended up being like $27. So I paid $37 to park, which is, is too much. But like, I mean, <laughs> I could have paid 100 and. $29 to park, which would have been a lot. So um yeah, he took the and literally like he just took a key, boom, boom. They like fell off. I was like, what? <laughs> you mean all it took was a key? I thought this man had to get some heavy machinery or some shit to get this shit off my car. No, it's the key. I'm like, oh! <laughs> sick, sickening. And so yeah, that that was my funny story. I literally I stayed calm, but listen, if he had come and been all like, girl, you have to pay me $119. Or if that, like, heaven forbid, like, they didn't come at all, they're like, no, you got to wait till tomorrow morning. I would have been pissed 
off. <laughs> but yeah. remember, kids, always put your receipt at the front of your car when you pay for parking so that you don't get boots. Because, yeah, yesterday was not only All Hallows' Eve. It was also Astro Game Day. So, of course, everybody was fucking there. Yeah, everyone and their mom was out. Um, I guess I don't have any funny story. I mean, it was great time. My muscles are still sore. My hair looks like crap in a little baby ass ponytail. Usually I have a bigger puff. I combed it, but I was just tired. I didn't get home until like almost 1130 last night. So I'm thinking, fuck it. I just take a shower and just like jump in my bed. And I guess the only funny story I can think of is like, I was in college mm-hmm. and I was taking night classes cause mm-hmm. I was taking biochemistry too. My father was out of town mm-hmm. and you know, I was driving home from school from my college. And I noticed this guy right behind me has like my same school parking pass. I'm thinking, okay, this person's following me. I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's just another person. And then they pulled up to my driveway. I was like freaking out. Um, this person, I think, did this person follow me from school? What do they want? So here I am with my backpack. I'm thinking, okay, I want to attack this guy. So I'm going to like attack him with my backpack and like swing books at him. So he came out and I said, uh, can I help you? So like, oh, is this your address? And thinking, yeah. Oh yeah, I have a pizza delivery for you. Oh, I realized my brother ordered a pizza. Didn't tell me I was freaking out. So. It was a pizza delivery guy. I mean, I wish I know. I wish you probably would have texted like, oh, when you're done with classes, pick up a pizza. But no, like, oh, yeah, I decided to order a pizza because why not? So it's not like something I want to see at nine o'clock at night. Right. No, like, bitches, man, followed me all the way home. I'm going to have to fight him. Oh, (laughs) like, listen, you like. The fact that you led him all the way home, not me. I would have been like, I would have been like rrr, rrr, turning all the corners. Like I would have been like trying to throw him off. Like, ah. right now, left now. <laughs> like, uh, um, you are not going to know where I live, sir. Anyway, welcome back to Conversation of Millennials. This is Nikki Alley. And I'm Bell Mars. And uh, today, Bell Mars is going to tell me scary stories. Yes, a true crime story uh, known as the Servant Girl Annihilator, a.k.a. the Austin Axe Murderer, possibly America's version of Jack the Ripper. It was the first serial killer ever before we even had a term serial killer. So if your discretion is advised, I'll probably give up more details when do yay or nay or just go straight into the true crime. Go straight into the true crime, girl. There's nothing. Yeah, everyone was real tame this week, despite the fact that it was Halloween week and I was surprised. But, you know, yeah. sometimes y'all act right. Sometimes. Yes. So the Servant Girl Annihilator, uh, or a.k.a. the Austin Axe Murderer, Mm -hmm. uh, predates Jack the Ripper because the happened between December 30th, 1884 and December 24th, 1885. Mm -hmm. And Jack Ripper didn't happen until 1888. There is some connection between the two, but we don't know because the person who is the Servant Girl Annihilator was never caught. (gasps) And they killed and this person had eight victims, seven women, five black, two white, and one black man. Mm. So, and so for most part, we don't know who it is. And it's probably 
could be because the fact, you know, like then, even still today, they don't care a lot, a lot about poor black victims. Yep. <laughs> and that's, that's it. That's, uh, that's the kicker. Yes. So let's go back and give you some little bit of information. It happens in Austin, Texas. Thank so around you. the time, um, according to one source that the capital of Texas was in Houston, but they moved to Austin because, you know, in the 1870s, like the center of the state, railroads start coming up and the price of cotton was going up and then urbanization. Mm-hmm. So, and I know cotton was a big business all the way up until like the 1950s because I my own my own grandfather used to pick cotton as a kid in East Texas. Mm-hmm. So, because my great grandmother was a sharecropper. Mm. All right. Yeah. Continue. So. so on the night of December 30th, 1884, Austin, Texas was experiencing a harsh winter. <gasps> what? Oh man. Yes. It was cold. It's cold in Texas? <gasps> yes. Global warming is a bitch. Well, climate change. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh. Go on. A man, a black man of the name Walter Spencer, he wakes up with a pounding headache and blood so he didn't know what's going on so he reached over for his girlfriend molly smith 25 year old Mm -hmm. and he realized she was gone so when he was looking around the room uh there was like shards of broken glass overturned furniture and bloody handprints because there was a violent struggle and he realized his girlfriend was gone nowhere to be seen so he went out into the cold street and he realized his lantern was broken also in the struggle so they were staying in the house of William Hall because his mo- girlfriend, Molly Smith, was a chef for him, a private cook. So he went in there, started banging on the door of Tom Chalmers, the brother-in-law of William Hall. She like asked for help, like, hey, uh, my girlfriend is missing. I'm going to need you to find her. And he was kind of like dismissive, like, dude, you're probably drunk. You went out drinking. It's the holidays. So we're not going to go find her. So I'm going to get you a doctor and don't worry about Molly. So he didn't look for Molly, but he did find a doctor for uh, Walter Spencer. So and so he didn't really care. And, you know, considers the 1880s, he's not going to argue with the white man. Fair. I mean, because he wants to live. There's already like blood on his temple. He got a headache. You want to live. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> So he thought, okay, whatever Molly is, she'll probably return in the morning. So in the morning, Molly did not return. But around 9 a.m. the next day, another servant found her dead body at an outhouse 50 feet from their apartment off the horse of William K. Hall's house. And William K. Hall was a wealthy man, an insurance agent from Galveston, Texas, because back in those days, Galveston was a big city. Yeah, and now it's not. (laughs) So trigger warning for those ahead. Her body was aggressively stabbed again and again and again. She was struck in the head with an axe with a hole in her scalp. Her body was nearly nude and authorities said she was most likely sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. So a lot of investigators classified it as probably an anger retaliatory murder, meaning that the murder can take out their anger on the victim in a symbolic way. So most likely the vic- the murderer who did this to her most likely has like a bad relationship with women so the fact that he was keep stabbing her again and again and again is mostly probably symbolic so he probably didn't know molly personally mm-hmm. but we don't know so and around this time there's a lot of domestic disputes but there was no crime like this so this really shook 
Austin to its core because no one has seen it. So authorities question Molly's boyfriend because, you know, anything happened to the girlfriend, they talked to the boyfriend. But then they realized Walter Spencer was no help. He had a pounding headache. He didn't know what happened. And even though he was in the room, they thought, okay, we didn't thought anything of it. So then they suspect another suspect, William Brooks. William Brooks was Molly uh, Spencer's, well, Molly, yeah, Molly Smith's last ex-boyfriend. Because he it was a bartender and they used to date all the way from Waco, Texas. So Uh when they moved to Austin, Texas, he moved with her, probably tried. So the authorities expected at the time that they wanted to get her back. So when he realized that Molly moved on with another man, he probably killed her. But when questioned him, William Brooks actually has a good relationship with Walter Spencer and Molly. So around this time, they didn't have any suspects, any leads, but they did notice that the footprints were a little bit weird. Weird how? <laughs> like a strange shape. So they suspected maybe the suspect was missing a toe. But so far, we couldn't find anything. Wait a minute. So they found footprints in the snow? Yes. And but and blood leading all the way to the outhouse where Molly was found. But so they said the, the footprints looked weird. But wasn't he wasn't wearing shoes? It was cold. <laughs> I don't know with them. Mm-hmm. So maybe the shoe was also weird. Or probably could be missing the um, toe. Yeah. So, if you, I guess maybe if you missing a toe, you don't make the same imprint. Like it makes it weirder to walk. You're like, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, but I'm guessing if you're going in someone's houses, you may want to take off your shoes so you make less of a noise. Because most uh, hmm. victims were killed were always killed in their house or their apartment off of the bigger houses since all of them were servants. Okay, interesting. I like how you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving I mean, on. <laughs> yeah, hypothesis. So, so far, the trail went cold. Uh-huh. So then, on May 7th, 1885, another Black uh, cook was killed, Eliza Shelley. So her, she- her head, Shelley's head was nearly split in two with an axe. The annihilator's choice of target and his modus operandi were becoming apparent. So that's when they start to slowly connect the two. But it has been some time because the first murder happened December 30th, 1884, mm-hmm. and then May 7th, 1885. So that's when people start freaking out. Because But mostly it's been happening to the Black population. So the white population thinking, okay, just violent Black men just killing Black women around. So let's not pay attention to those. But be careful at night good hmm why does he well so wait did he just hate cooks why does he keep killing people who uh, cook yeah i guess female black cooks so servant women mm-hmm. not slave because slavery ended but you know spot the tail end of reconstruction before jim crow yeah so I mean, it was slavery without the level of inhumanity. <laughs> Nobody got beat; they just got, you know, treated like they were objects. Still, <laughs> yes, fun. They can vote, <laughs> uh, and they can vote. May sort of. Um. So sure, head because also with an act with a metal object stuck in her head. Uh-huh. So they realize a lot more 
patterns that are happening. Mm -hmm. And I think the next servant woman, the third black woman by the annihilator was Irene Cross. She was stabbed multiple times with a knife and practically scalped. And I think with this case, um, there was, she had children. So one of the children, because from what I heard, the woman that you were staying with, they noticed all the kids would cuddle up with their mom's body, but they didn't know who it was because they said it was someone wearing a hood. And the kid woke up to see a giant figure say, go back to sleep, kid. So he did, but it's really hard with your mother screaming. So then this mother, the daughter-in-law of the place that they own, they come in, they saw the blood, she comes out screaming. So a lot of people were in hysterics around this time. Mm-hmm. So there was a short story going around this time by the author O. Henry gave his the killer his nickname. He said the town is fearfully dull, he wrote in May 1885 to his friend Dave Hall, except for the frequent raids of the servant girl annihilators who made things lively during the dead hours of the night. Okay, I, I I think it's great that I guess that he thinks it's lively for just black women to be killed every so often. Like, oh, yeah, you know, it's pretty Austin boring, but, you know, like they some some black women get killed every so often. And that's exciting. Yes, the servants die. So but only the first few die were servant girls. The next victim was actually 11 year old Marie Ramey was dragged outside into a wash house, raped and stabbed through the ear in August 30th. Not the well, ear. Yes, an 11 year old. So guys getting fucking brutal. <laughs> like, yeah, you went from grown ass women to like, oh, this 11 year old pissed me off today, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so uh, the following two victims were a pair, Sweethearts Gracie Vance and Orange Washington. One September 28, 1885, they were found with their heads bludgeoned, according to a report in Austin Daily Statesman. Gracie was almost beaten into a jelly, as they describe it. So I'm guessing two for one. So I'm guessing this when the black man came in, Orange Washington and Gracie Vance. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. They so they beat her until she was gelatin, and then the other man they did not like, yeah, they beat him too, they killed him too. Because I'm guessing he used his axe. Oh, but like they didn't, he didn't beat him into a gelatin, yeah. Oh, so this person definitely hates women, specifically black servant women. I mean, who doesn't at this point? Just y'all all are jealous. (laughs) <laughs> so you know the annihilator was escalating in 1885 so a lot of the african-american communities start like putting up like furniture against their door make sure they don't keep anything at night mm-hmm. and then a lot of the men start buying tonic because you know women go into hysterics around this time because like here have some cocaine to calm yourself listen no like i would be all like bruh women are getting killed and you want me to take drugs to make somebody easier for somebody to kidnap me and kill me no fuck you (laughs) yeah so and so yeah i'll probably be one of those african americans like you know what put my dresser on there no one's coming out shit fuck that outhouse i'll pee in a bottle if i have to Uh, i'll pee in a bottle amazon workers did it i can do it too (laughs) 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 all right what's next what else 
though his final two victims, I believe. So it was on the Christmas Eve of 1885, he committed two separate crimes in entirely different locations. And unlike all the previous victims, they were white. <gasps> yes, Susan Hancock described the report as one of the most refined ladies in Austin and 17-year-old Ewell Phillips both murdered in their homes. Susan's head was cleaved in two just before midnight on Christmas Eve, and her wound showed that something sharp and thin had struck between her right ear and her brain. Ewell's life ended around an hour after Susan discovered in the early morning of Christmas Day. Once again, her head's been crushed by an axe. A writer for the Fort Worth Gazelle reported that they laid on her back, her face turned upwards in the dim moonlight with an expression of agony that death itself has not erased from the features. She had been raped and her arms were pinned down by timber. Absent in every other killings, the wood pieces brought up a terrifying possibility. True, the lumber could be attributed to an opportunist annihilator operating in booming city filled with construction sites. Still, people wondered, what if another kill was at work? Did Austin perhaps have multiple serial killers on loose? Until that point, no one considered that there could be more than one maniac involved. So at this time, they didn't know. They suspect maybe more than one people are going crazy, killing like black people, but maybe his lust decided to go on to white people. So I'm not sure. I mean, that's a that's a good point. Because um, like you described it, I was like, white people. And then you said that the the one of the ladies was refined, which means she obviously had money. So he went from yeah. killing like servants in their houses and then like dragging them to outhouses yeah to like refined white women out in the like the moonlight (laughs) yeah so so at this time they didn't know but then the because they didn't have like fingerprinting yet they had bloodhounds but nothing to cross them off and then after that the murders stopped Mm-hmm. Altogether, the body count totaled eight, six women, an 11-year-old gold, and a man. Around 400 men were arrested in 1885 under the suspicion of being the annihilator. None have successfully tried. So, I mean, they all, so I think after the two white women, they arrested up to 400 men. So, like, you just let these six other people just go and be all like, oh, well, they died and they died. Oh, well. But, like, the two white women get killed on Christmas and you like, uh-uh, not my baby Jesus. He says no. Everybody's getting arrested. <laughs> so the list included Walter Spencer, the boy from the first one, acquitted after a two-day trial. Two suspiciously looking white brothers found with blood on their clothes. U.S. husband, Jimmy Phillips, and Susan husband Moses Hancock. Phillips, the prosecutor claimed, were a copycat killer before the team ex- existed, using the murder of Austin's Black working class as an excuse to kill his unfaithful and beautiful wife. So I'm thinking that's hella plenty. You think about, it, like, I hate my wife, so let me go kill some Black women first. <laughs> and then I'll kill my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, since the seven years, Phillips' conviction was overturned within six months, because, of course... Mm. so they have many theories on who could the servant girl killer be because as quickly as the murders start they ended so several theories about the identity one possibility is a malaysian cook by the name of maurice working at a pearl house hotel in austin he told acquaintances they going to travel to london and left town in january 1886 several weeks after the servant girl murders ended so 
I mean, most of the time, so it could be him, because I guess the evidence, because a lot of people say, some people say it was a black man that attacked him, those that survived. Other people say it was a white man that attacked him, but we don't know. I mean, they never suspected Malaysian. What if um, it was, so what if it was somebody who looked like a half breed? (laughs) What if it was a light skinned man? (laughs) Like the black people are like, oh, he black. And the white people are like, I don't know, maybe he white. Like, I can't tell. I don't know. Mm, Maybe it's a high yellow. Yeah. I don't know. So another one person, because, you know, the first murder of Jack the Ripper happened in November 1888. It could have been Jack the Ripper. So it could be it was Maurice possible that was the Austin Axe murder and then went to London, become Jack the Ripper. Well, I'm guessing that's a huge switch between like servants and then hookers. Well, I mean, he hated women and, you know, he killed a whole bunch of black women and a lot of people before Jim Crow but this wasn't like like a lot before you know when they had minstrel shows and shit like they thought that black women were basically Jezebels anyway and so like running around like tempting men with all of their plump features and shit it's probably why he went from killing black servant women to hookers wait did Jack the Ripper kill a bunch of black hookers or white hookers (laughs) I mean, I guess a bunch of hookers because I'm thinking it is London. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking they're a little bit more metropolitan when it comes to race. So I think it was mostly like white hookers, poor white hookers. Well, I mean, this person did transition from black women to white women. So maybe white hookers is not that far of a step. Supposedly, if those are the same two people, we don't know because it's an interesting MO to go from because like when you think about it like if this was all the same person like that kills so wait you said he killed three black women before he well, five oh he killed five black women but wait, and wait a black timeline wise he killed he killed those three black servants and then the 11 year old yes 11 year old and then a black man and a white Oh, a black man and then a black woman because he killed them in a couple yeah so i guess he killed them together because you know i'm guessing around this time there wasn't as taboo for like poor people to live with to cohabitate so that's what i'm saying that's like that's like a an interesting like progression right to go from killing grown-ass black women who are servants to an 11 year old girl to a couple to two white women like that's a that's a jump. I don't need I don't know that I feel I don't know if I believe that this is all the same person because typically they have patterns and they kind of stick to the patterns, right? Another person is Liverpool cotton merchant James Maybrick. Because he spent some time in the US selling cotton and then he went to Liverpool for going with the Jack the River connection. Yeah, because he was also died of arsenic being poisoned by his wife in 1889. So that's when both murders ended because she suspected that her husband was Jack the Ripper. And she did admit that he did some business in the U.S. Interesting. Well, hey, I can... I mean, if she thought, that sounds like woman's intuition. (laughs) Or she just hated that man. I don't know. You know, it could be worthy. It was 1889. Probably wasn't the best for women. Right, yeah. Like, they're like, any way that I can get out from under this man and get his fortune, I will. Um, 
right. And then the final one was probably the most likely piece that isn't a Jack the Ripper connection is a black cook named Nathan Elgin, who was 19 year old. He was shot by the police when he dragged a woman out of the saloon when he was drinking in February 1886. He died right around the time the murders coincidentally are not stopped and he was missing a toe from his foot. Hmm. It does seem to to speak to all of the clues. But wait, what did he die of? Mm. A gunshot was because the police shot because he was dragging a woman out of the saloon because I'm guessing, you know, trying to have his way with her. And the police stopped him and shot him. So hmm. and the and the murders had stopped before then, like when they shot this man. Yeah, because the last murder was in Christmas Eve, the two white women, and then I guess he was trying to get it, and it was like 1886 Mm -hmm. when he tried to go take the woman out of the saloon. Mm -hmm. And they were like, not not today, Negro. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I'm still stuck on the fact that they arrested 400 fucking people. (laughs) After two white girls. After two white women got killed. It's just like, especially, you know, it was because that uppity white woman got killed. Let's not kid ourselves. She had came from money. And so that man was like, you're going to find my wife's killer. <laughs> and so they're like, yes, sir. <laughs> and they just arrested yeah. everybody. Everybody who looks suspicious. You, you're walking down the street. You're arrested. For what? I didn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, it could also be at the time of the start of the prison industrial conflict, because, you know, people were free in the 13th Amendment said, okay, if we can't really put you in slavery unless you commit a crime. So it could be like bogus crimes. That's true. I mean, but this Nathan Elgin man was dragging a woman out of saloon. So even if he wasn't the killer, like, you that know. is very sus and another one that was probably a white man that know voodoo that can transport with an axe so i'm not sure about that theory too because i mean he left footprints in the snow i'm thinking couldn't he just like teleport to the like when he killed molly like teleport put him in the porta potty and then well not the porta potty but um i you would think um yeah i don't know uh i don't know like i just don't know that i feel like this is all the same person especially to go from like killing black women to then killing white women like who don't match the same attributes that all the black women possessed even though like again how do you go from killing grown black women to an 11 year old like what's true i'm thinking because the psychology profile says he's a bad relation with women so maybe he just saw the little girl just minding her own black owned business and thinking i must kill her right maybe may why am i speculating about this man um maybe that's when his issue started you know like oh maybe that little black girl reminded him of I don't know his childhood and him being rejected by a little black girl and he's like I'm gonna kill her too um I don't know yeah it is a sad case and the killer was never caught but we only can speculate damn was about to say um yeah oh yeah I remember the coverage of this case at the time I think after the two white girls were killed rivaled that of the OJ Simpson trial back in the day so everyone was covering it was big news all across the country wow 
Spotlight on Texas, y'all. <laughs> yes, with the urbanization. Oh yeah, we, you know, it's boring in Texas. Besides the murders at night, come down to Texas with the urbanization. Cotton is everywhere. Right, Californians. <laughs> like, that's, be like, Texas is boring. Like, don't come here. You'll get murdered. There's killing fields. And also, just a random <laughs> There's uh, silly killers everywhere, though. I mean, Ted Bundy went around the country, and man, we're a killing tour. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't know. I I just can't get over the fact that they they theorized that this man was missing a toe, and that's why the tracks look weird. I feel like I just need to see the tracks. But what am I? I'm not a detective. Like I would look at them and just be all like. Yeah, because a lot of the 400 men was let go or acquitted because when they put their footprint on there, it didn't match. Get it. Not cinderella the whole thing. They're like, put your foot up to this. Oh, it's not you. (laughs) (laughs) You're not the princess. Get out of here. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's that's some real interesting investigation work, investigative work going on. Um, I don't know what to say. Um... Other than the fact that uh, if it was Jack the Ripper, what the fuck <laughs> was all that for? <laughs> like, what, I mean, what was your problem with black women? Unless he's like testing and like, okay, certain women people don't care about. So but I'm thinking- then like you ruin the whole thing if to kill a white woman. Maybe that's why he's like, let me let this be the last shebang and then I'm gonna leave and go yeah. kill some more white women somewhere else. <laughs> I guess he got the taste of the killing the white women thinking, you know, maybe to go to London. So is that a Malaysian cook or probably maybe someone else that has that text? I mean, it could be the Liverpool cotton merchant. Yeah, it could be. It could very well be. Maybe he was angry that black he was angry that black women had some form of freedom. And he's like, no, these women are cattle. Kill them. I don't know. Yes, maybe my more kind of huh, too bad. I'm like 20 years too late for they can't just pick it again. Exactly. So I don't know. Goes to London and then his wife kills him with arsenic, realize okay, my husband's a jerk and possibly Jack the Ripper. I mean, I'm not sure if they're black hookers, but I'm thinking probably the same way with America. They don't report to like black hookers that much. So Jack the Ripper probably have like the um people in the hundreds so maybe they may have been mistrust i can't really speak on the black british community in the time so maybe they didn't trust the cops like either so they're less likely to report it or maybe you know the women may be undesirables because you know if you're from a poor background as discussed previously in the podcast that they may not look for you exactly mm-hmm. go back and and look at the episode why won't you look for us no <laughs> that's it <laughs> what it's entitled um yeah no i i i feel like it was a light-skinned black man yeah because they was wearing a mask when he attacked the people so mm-hmm. and i love how he just told the ch- children to go back to sleep like <laughs> go back to sleep and it's like what the <laughs> yeah so i mean that's frightening especially in the middle of the night man like with an axe go back to sleep I don't think I can. I don't. What are you doing? I don't know. Uh, listen, 
my brain is too tired to so I can try to theorize anymore about who this possibly could be. But I'm gonna go with my theory that it's a light skinned black man who light skinned black man that start killing. Uh, and I'm maybe it's true because they could probably try. I mean, he's black enough that he goes into the black society. Like, okay, you're just a servant. You can bundle with the servants. And then I'm guessing mine enough during the day, you probably work in white society because there is a history of passing. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, but you know, black people can tell. Like they can look at you and be all like, Mm-mm, they, there's something not clean in the milk. You're not all the way white. You got something in you. Like, <laughs> like Meghan Markle. I'm thinking, oh, I'm probably like some type of Mexican or something. I get that shit all the time. Oh, I know. Anyway, um, fascinating. All right, Austin. Maybe they should have kept the capital in Houston over there, <laughs> just killing people and arresting people for no fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, but I'm guessing Austin's a good central point since they rate put down the railroad tracks and everything. And I guess the other big city was Galveston, but you know after the great hurricane realized nope get away from the coast hey i don't blame them but now all of like the the like rich white people are near galveston so like like if y'all ever go to galveston it is majority white people who have like expensive ass homes yeah like beachfront properties a lot of rich ass white people but if you go into like the different avenues where it's like i guess the true black people as uh Stewie said Juneteenth black black people. Mm-hmm. Juneteenth black people. Uh, do you have another scary story for me? Mm-mm. Okay. I think I can probably pull up the let's not meet stories. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, unless you want me to do uh the mountain man. I don't. We talked about this yesterday. <laughs> I don't want you to do the mountain man. I was almost kidnapped while extremely drunk, posted by Kitty Cat 930 yes. This happened almost four years ago. Okay. Set the mic down. <laughs> you want me to get my light down? <laughs> Wait, yes. Okay. Crash with my voice still. My parents and my husband were visiting my mom's family in Indianapolis. I used to go all the time and as a child, but I wouldn't know my way around. I was drinking a lot because my husband had an emotional affair with his ex lasted four months. She tried to bring us up. Honestly, I could write a whole post on how she tried to ruin our relationship. So we saw my family and then they went back to the hotel. I was upset, so I said I was going to smoke. In reality, I was going to the hotel bar. I got multiple double vodka shots with a splash of orange juice. I was feeling good. Good for you, sis. The bar was closing, so I asked the bartender where there was another bar, and she told me to go to TGIFs. It was about a 10-minute walk. Remember, it was after 10 p.m., and I was already drunk. I went inside and got more drinks. I don't remember how I got outside, but I was smoking, and there was people in the parking lot with me. Suddenly, I was being dragged into a car. I don't know how long it had been. I was so drunk, I couldn't do anything. I didn't realize how fucked I was. During this time, my husband realized I was missing, woke my mom in my parents' room. He tracked my phone to the TGIF parking lot. Mom and husband got on the phone, but I wasn't there. Then my mom saw this man trying to get me in his car. She got out of the Uber there, 
when started screaming to let me go. This asshole thought my mom was just strange trying to save me. He didn't believe her. And I remember yelling. I only remember him saying, how do I know she's your daughter or something like that. He had grabbed me so hard. I had bruises. My mom threatened to call, threatened to call 911, which was till later. Since I was almost in his car, he got let go of me, drove off with his back passenger door open. I'm convinced I had been raped. At, I I would have been raped at the very least. I was unfamiliar with the area. I was drunk and I barely realized how bad the situation was. I was taken to the hospital and categorized. I was also strapped down. I was released the next day. I didn't hear about what my mom and my husband saw until the when we got home, so we were driving that day. To the creep who tried to take me while I was drunk and let's never meet. No, no one with good intention just grabs a girl. Plus, I don't know if I dropped my phone if the guy did. So, creepy. How you gonna say, how do I know she's your daughter? Bitch, what the fuck? Who the fuck cares? <laughs> what why are you gonna be all like how do i know that's your daughter i'm not gonna give her to you uh you, she doesn't know you like why would she doesn't clearly doesn't want to go with you <laughs> what's wrong with you don't try to be an upstanding citizen now what the fuck like you're committing a crime <laughs> yes another one is chasing in a maze chasing a what chasing in a maze so i'm guessing this person was in a maze Hi, I guess. Like a, <laughs> okay. A few years ago, I entered the University of Lausanne to start my medical studies. Okay. I'm not sure where Lausanne is, but I'm assuming it's probably in Europe. Sounds French as fuck. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I have just arrived in the city, even the country. I was very excited to start my year to discover the university to meet new people. Mm-hmm. Everything was going great until the end of the third week. Mm-hmm. Friday around 9 p.m. I leave the library, say goodbye to my friends, and start to go home. Uh-huh. The pace of work was already very intense. So we've been working all day and I was in a rush to get home. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite part of the day because I put on my music, take the subway, and then the train, it gives me some chance to rest. Anyway, the night it was cold, so was no one left outside. It takes me about seven minutes to walk from the library to the subway. I'm walking quietly with my music in my ear, but all of a sudden, I get a shiver that runs through my body from head to toe. I started to feel uncomfortable as if someone was watching me. And at that point, I paused my music and decided not to turn around to check in case the person was trying to be ready and conspicuous. So that if I noticed them, something might happen. I don't want to run either because I'm not sure if I can run fast and I don't know where to go. At this point, we passed the glass building. So I decided to look inside and pretend I'm fixing my hair. I quickly glance in the corner of my eye and my brown mud's cold. There's definitely someone walking a few feet behind me in a hoodie. I try to reassure myself that he just finished work and that he's going home. That he's cold and that's why he's wearing a hoodie. But I didn't see it. But I didn't see a backpack and there was no houses for civilians around. I decided to send a message to my mother saying, come and get me in front of the insert name of the building, please. I really don't feel like it. It's important to know that the university is 30 minutes by car from my house. At this moment, I don't find any other solution. I decided to take refuge in a building while we're waiting for my mother to come and get me. As I was about to go back, I opened the door, took off my helmet and went down the stairs to find a hiding place. We entered by the third floor. I thought I was out of trouble when suddenly I hear the door came in through, that I came in through open. This time I'm sure he is after me. But since I'm new, I don't know this building where it leads. I run downstairs at full speed as I head I hear footsteps of this guy running down the stairs to the full speed. I run without looking behind, being sure that he's running faster than me, that he would catch up with me. 
I didn't even know. I don't even know where I'm going, but I pray that I don't fall into a dead end. Looking back, I even think about what it was really like in The Shining with the labyrinth scene. I don't know how far ahead of him I was, so I opened a window in the hallway to make it look like I was out there and opened the door a little further. It was a huge auditorium in the dark. I went downstairs and hid under a desk in the middle of the right. In the middle right and put my phone on silent. My mom has been texting me a lot, asking what's going on. I said she was on her way with dad. I text her, I'm in insert name of building. He's looking for me, please come quickly. I hit on the desk thinking I was screwed. My hiding place sucked and he was gonna find me any second. Then I heard a thud and a huge scream. I didn't know I ever been scared in my life when I heard that scream. For 15 minutes, my mother was sending me messages telling me to hang on. At the end of those 15 long minutes, waiting for him to find me, I finally got the message from my mother where she said she's with the police. They're going to enter the building and then they need to know where I am. I just tell them I'm on the second floor because I had no idea what room I was in, which I was going. After two minutes, I hear the door of the auditorium as the police that came to get me. Once I get out, they took my statement and said they would check out the university management. The next day, they contacted us, say they saw someone on surveillance camera that there were indeed someone who followed me when I entered the building, but there were no cameras inside. You can't see the guy's face and therefore you don't know who it is. They just said the security was going to do patrols that night and invited me to have someone with me when I went out that night. We never heard about it again, and that's good. That is good. Girl, listen. <laughs> yes, yeah, fucking buddy system all the way. Yes, child. Like, ooh, not, not you being like, oh, let me check my hair. Oh, fuck, there's somebody following me. <laughs> oh. A fun, a good tip for that is, especially if it's at night and like there's street lamps, if you just look at the ground, like you can, you'll be able to tell by shadows. That's how I tell if like, when I was in college all the time, I would wear my earphones too. And like, and I, and I would walk down the sidewalk. And if I felt like a biker, like I would look down at the like sidewalk. And if like I saw a shadow, I'd move out of the way in time, typically of a biker or somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so that's a good indicator. If you want to check to see if somebody's following you, but you don't want to look behind you, you can just look at the ground. And see, like, from your peripheral vision, if you could see, like, behind you that there's a shadow. Right. Mm-hmm. Just a tip. Um, but always walk in well-lit areas, friend. Like, we don't. Well-lit areas, lots of areas with lots of people. Mm-hmm. Stay safe out there, my friends. Oh, my goodness. Following people into buildings. Bell Mars had somebody follow her home to give her a pizza that she didn't want. <laughs> it's I mean, out. I had pizza, but was late at night thinking, whatever. I had a long ass class. Just let me eat it. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, just give it to me now. I'm going to eat it out here. And like, he's your brother. And like, looked out the window, I would have been like, <laughs> follow me home. I thought he was a stalker. <laughs> Gave me a heart attack. Yeah, because UHCL campus that I went to is relatively safe. I mean, I like to brag that's probably the safest of the UH campuses. It is. I mean, what are you going to do? Fight a fucking deer? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you looked at me funny. <laughs> <laughs> or an alligator or a raccoon, because I had a friend that like freaked out from a raccoon, but he thought he was going to get arrested because he was drinking beer. But I'm not going to name any names. I am, listen, I'm. New age, if it wasn't a person, it was a squirrel just following you, wanting your food. 
and be like, uh, leave me alone. And the squirrel would keep following you. Listen, you never stalk stalk your squirrel. (laughs) And I think if I end this one, let's not meet. It's a long one. It says, I'm convinced my childhood best friend is a sociopath. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Horror about friendships. I was in a toxic, borderline abusive friendship with a girl from ages nine to 12. Okay. Here's some background information to give you a little understanding of what my life was back in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess our comparison ours was relatively normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a very tumultuous household. My parents hated each other and my extended family along with my immediate were plagued by mental illness and drug addiction. So needless to say, I was very anxious child who was drawn to an unstable people and sufficient to say they were drawn to me. I was a shy 11-year-old girl who, like many others before me, used the internet as a way to vet my frustrations and anger about about my home life. This was the first time where AOL was the main source of communication used between my friends, and I was no stranger along with this MySpace and Facebook. However, I wasn't like the typical pre-teens of this era, so I thought. I kept my profile private, never accepted or followed a firm request I didn't know, never shared my location on these profiles. This is the part where I introduced Tanya. Okay, Tanya is the name of her, of course, as I don't want to use her real name in case she just happens to read this thread, watch the YouTube channel, listen to this podcast. So we'll just call her Tanya. Tanya and I met in elementary school, one of the points in my life where my family situation was quite violent and in retrospect, I think she sensed it. I was vulnerable and Tanya took advantage of my innocence. She never really displayed any signs of her true intentions in the beginning, as they never usually do. Oh. Yep. She would do shady things every now and then, manipulate me into begging my mom to stay on the computer until the hours of the morning so we can do go on not safe for work website, ghost me when I didn't give her my favorite pen, or yell at me when she couldn't perfect a guitar solo on Guitar Hero Toxic. Oh, she didn't. She did some other things that I believe my brain blocked out due to trauma. My mom didn't like her. Parents always had a weird intuition when it comes to friends. I wish to God I would have listened to my mom before Tanya did what she did to me. Tanya behavior changed for the worse when we were 11. Parents sometimes have a good idea. They do. Yes. Tanya was openly jealous of my success in school. Granted, she's incredibly smart herself, but she always made it a point to mock me for having great grades and will always comment since... I wasn't pretty enough. Having good grades would be such a nice balance. Nice, right? Took me a while to build my self-esteem up around the snide remark that she would make about my weight, my face, and only has a 22-year-old do I think I'm beautiful and have a wonderful figure. Okay, this lady's a bitch. Anyways, back to Tanya. Mm-hmm. As a result of her jealousy and growing resentment towards me, she began to plot my downfall. I made no exaggeration either. This girl literally tried to ruin my self-worth even more than she already did. Mm-hmm. It started in the sixth grade. Tanya and I were remarkably close that year, and I wanted to do everything with her. We would talk all day in school. We would chat at night on AIM. On one particular, Tanya and I were talking about boys, being that we were hormonal preteens. Our conversation would usually turn to who we liked in school that day, being that I had a horrible relationship with my father. I didn't trust boys, even from an early age, so it was rare if I developed a crush on one. I remember Tanya and I conversation goes something like this. Tanya, do you know Mark? Me? The kid in class? Yeah, Why? I heard he likes you. Mm. What? No way. Totally. He told me. He wanted me to talk to him and give me your user. Yes, of course. Oh, my God. Thank you, Tanya. My heart was racing. A boy liking me? Impossible. When Tanya told me she would give me Mark's username, I nearly exploded in my seat. 11-year-old me couldn't believe was going to have my first real boyfriend. 
how wrong I was. Fast forward to the next night, I was ready for bed when I heard my famous AOL ding sound, my iPod touch, you know the sound I'm talking about. Yeah. When I check the notification was a message from MarkyBoy99. I don't remember his username, so we just go with something like this. I turn red. Tania really talked to Mark and gave him my username. She was truly the best, bitch. <laughs> bitch. Mm-hmm. He messed me with the usual, hey, emphasis on the three Ys. I responded with, hey, one Y. I didn't want to come off as desperate, so I only used one Y. That's right. Not even one minute later, he messed me back. We talked all night about everything, our days, how school was, and what type of silly band we like. Typical 11-year-old stuff. I have to admit, I was smitten right off the bat. I think it was partly because I never really had a boy like me before in other part that my self-esteem was so low that I never thought a boy would capable be liking me. Also, it could be because Mark was one of the most popular boys in school at the time. He played football, was mouthy to the teaching, was extremely outgoing. All the things a young girl would be attracted to. Mm. We talked for months. My puppy loved going for him more and more every time we chatted. Of course, I never spoke to him on the phone, nor do I get his phone number because why would you do that, right? All while speaking to him, Tanya will be gassing me up, telling me how proud she was of me and that I deserved a boyfriend. My suspicions of Mark only began to grow when I attempted to approach him during school hours. Again, I had anxiety, so I never really speak to Mark outside of AIM. When I went to talk to him, Mark looked confused, as if he never had a conversation with before in his life. He turned away from me on the playground, walked to be with his other friends. Huh, weird. That wasn't like him. He was usually so chatty with me that I expected him to welcome me with open arms in person. My ego was bruised. My little 11-year-old mind tried to rationalize the behavior by chalking up to him not being one to talk to the nerds. He was so popular and that he preferred to keep our relationship online. Hmm. Yeah. I told Tanya the news and she seemed genuinely heartbroken for me. She was just as angry as I was, vowed to confront Mark later that day during music class. I was happy. Tanya had my back and as far as I know, she was going to tell Mark off for being a total jerk to me. Well, it worked. Later that night, I got a message from Mark telling me how sorry he was for ignoring me and he was going through some family things. Hmm. Back in love, I was. I didn't care that Mark ignored me during school. I didn't care he rejected my advanced person as long as I had him to talk to online and came so far, I was fine. Even told my mom about him, she was extremely happy for me. Another month passed and it was March 31st, 2011. Mark messaged me and he told me he had something very important to tell me the next day. Anxiety began. What was what he had to tell me? At this point, I considered myself and Mark to be dating, so I was anxious that he was either going to break it off with me or he's going to make us public the school next. I told my mom and Tanya, almost on the verge of tears, how excited and nervous I was. Well, the next day, April 1st, 21 roll around, this would happen. I was around 7 p.m. I was on Club Penguin, and I was usually usually it was until I heard a familiar ding. It was Mark. And it was the time he's been waiting for the news all day. Mark, hey babe. Oh my god, hey! It's been a while to chat for me all day. Sorry, babe. I was at practice. Are you ready for the news? I was shaking with anticipation. Mm-hmm. Even writing this now, whole swell of emotion service. Yes, of course. And it was then that Mark sent the picture. I opened it, but it wasn't Mark, it was Tanya. And she said, Hold a hand ran inside that said, Happy April Fool's Day XD. At first I started to laugh, meaning it was an ugly laugh. Of course it was a prank. Tanya's got me so good, right? Well, wrong. It was when I realized it hit me that I started to sob. I felt betrayed and like a loser. Tandem marked the whole along long, which been playing this joke since October 2010. She's been so jealous that she pretended to be someone else and stringing along my emotions when she knows I was in a rough place mentally. She told me I was stupid to ever think of Mark would even like me in the first place. That was dumb for not asking for his number. Tandem had been doing this for six months. An 11-year-old plotted Mark 
using to make me think that a boy liked me and trick me into believing that I had a boyfriend all while telling me we were hung out and she was happy that me and Mark were a cute couple. Told my mom, who then called her mom. My mom was livid, to say the least. She told Tanya's mom to tell her daughter to speak to me again. I'll crush. My best friend of three years had catfished me because she simply wanted to play a joke. I was loyal to her, and she told my emotions because of that. Tanya tried multiple times to guilt trip me into being her friend into the months that followed leading up to seventh grade. One of my most memorable and honestly messed up times when she messed me a few days on my birthday in August to tell me that her mother had been died in a horrible car crash, her body was dismembered, and they could only find her head in wedding ring. Okay, this sounds like bullshit. Um, anyone would be, I was in tears. Tanya's mother was nothing but lovely to me and learned that she died in a violent way, crushed my soul. Started talking to Tanya again, asking her when her mother's funeral will be. Tanya then revealed to me secondly at speaking about grisly detail of her mother's dad. She was kidding, was pranking me again that I was stupid to believe her. She even sent a video for her laughing at me. I was disgusted. Who would say something like that? What now 12 year old would message someone their mother dismembered in a car crash? Okay, this bitch is hella crazy. Yeah. There's more. Oh, there's more. <laughs> yeah. She then revealed her ugly, quite frankly, evil intentions when we were beginning at the seventh grade. She became friends with a girl named Kaylee. They both invited me to sit with me at their lunch table because I was desperate for friends. I stupidly accepted only to be met with hordes of insults and laughed behind my back every chance I wasn't lucky. Tanya then messaged me one night telling me to kill myself and that the world would be a much better place without it. She had Kaylee tell me to go jump off a bridge. Tanya told me she hated me and never really mean to be my friend to begin with. I deserve all the pain she put me through the year prior. I again told my mom, who didn't call the police, she had enough of Tanya, so so did I. For four years, I put up with Tanya's malicious behavior and I just couldn't handle it anymore. My mom made me delete my AAM and Tanya's mom told her to never contact me again. My mom advised me to move lunch tables by I was helping and not letting Tanya win. By the time of seventh grade, I sat at the same table as Tanya, only just spoke to my friend on the other side of the table. I never spoke to her or looked at her again. I gave her any sort of attention. Kaylee was scared to death of me afterwards, too, as the police got in contact with her family as well. It's been 10 years and I haven't spoken to Tanya. I am now 22 years old, have two bachelor's degrees, one in psychology, one in history. I'm now working towards my master's in social work. Tanya did other things to me, too, that I could write a whole story about. But I think writing this... Uh, helped me get closer to my part childhood this carbon for years I thank God for my mom stepping in when she did as for Tanya I don't know where her she is what she's been doing rather not on the off chance she sums upon to say I have a message for you your jealousy and wishes for death for upon me did not win I truly hope that carbon does not come any day and bites you in the ass Tanya let's never meet again girl what like the help that she needs all of the help, all of the therapists that girl needs. Why would you lie and say that your mom was horribly dismembered in a car accident? Who does that? Yeah, I mean, that's mentally, wow. I'm glad that she got the help that she wanted. Yeah, I'm glad OP got the help. Listen, because that was, ooh, child, I would have fought her. Like, <laughs> fought her, especially like if you duped me for six months and then thinking a dude liked me and then sent me a picture, I would be like, okay, well, tomorrow morning, meet me at the lunch table so I can kick your ass. We'll yeah. see who's laughing then. <laughs> Bye. I wouldn't even tell her. Nah, we wouldn't even tell her. We would show up tomorrow. She'd be like, hi, hi, dummy. And I'd be like, bam. Let's see you laugh again uh, over them broken teeth, girl. Okay. Well, 11, 12 year old Nikki Alley, but not even my worst dream or worst enemy. I can't think about something like that. Um, yeah. 
but even like middle school myself, even though I think I probably was very, very shy. I don't think I'll probably do that. I'm thinking, yeah, beat them ass. Bah. Bah, bah. Listen, the, the, like adults like our age talk about boundaries a lot now. Listen, Gen Z kids, y'all also need to know about boundaries. And, and younger, like you have a friend that don't make you feel great. That's not your friend. Like, yes. Not your friend, please. You need to talk about healthy relationships, unhealthy relationships, when to cut it. I mean, it sucks being alone, but I'm guessing it's worse being in a toxic relationship. That's right. Listen, you're love your own company rather than needing other people's because you, at the end of the day, you're gonna have to live with yourself more than you are with other people. So, yes, yes, man, no more. The time I almost got kidnapped and murdered. God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. True crime and murder is like black coffee. It's gross, but you keep drinking it. You keep drinking it. I don't like black coffee. (laughs) (laughs) This happened when I was in high school long ago. My mom recently found the paperwork about it when she cleaned out her office upon retiring from the police department. I remember being upset and scared when it happened, but the details as an adult, it's make it even worse than I remembered. Okay. At seven, I was a 17-year-old female yeah. working at a flower shop in a gift shop. Mm-hmm. It's a nighttime, a man comes in. Short, overweight, balding, 40s, creepy. Okay. Red flag, but maybe not a red flag. You he know, tells she- me about he needs an apology gift for his girlfriend. So I offer a bouquet, obviously. It's a flower shop. He said he doesn't like five because they die. This is the first weird thing. As he came into a flower shop. Right, yeah. Then he goes into detail about how he hit her and asked her if he was right to do so. Uh, Sir, hell no. Right, I just work here. I don't want to hear about your personal problem. I mean, that's domestic abuse, sir. I'm only 17. They need panic buttons for these children in these establishments. Like, I'm going to call the police. (laughs) This was long ago, so I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, now, if you want her to continue being your girlfriend, he tells me what a great job I'm doing. Ask me when I get off work. I dodge answering. He leaves. Smart. Mm-hmm, yeah. Nothing for six months. Then right before Valentine's Day, he walks in the door one minute before closing. It was dark. And from the hour. Wait a minute. Pause. You people who go into stores like like 10, like half an hour, whatever, before closing. Why do you do that? <laughs> Just need yeah. to do something really quick. No, you don't. Stay outside. Anyway, go on. She shouldn't have it let was it dark. <laughs> and from outside, it looked like it was working along alone along my coworker, who's about 40-year-old female, was in the bathroom. Instinctively, if I felt like a predator had just entered the room. You know when something isn't right and everything felt not right? Mm-hmm. I then notice he has a tarnished revolver tucked in the front of his windbreaker, which is halfway unzipped. It was obviously he wanted it seen. Mm-hmm. I quickly scribed a note to my coworker that said he has a gun and handed it to her when she came out of the bathroom. She calmly walked to the phone and looked at me wordlessly as if she could call the cops. I shook my head no, and I felt what it escalate the situation. God forbid he heard the police coming, took us hostage or something. I was going to try and act as calm and normal as I could, and hopefully not to tip the situation to something more dangerous. He spent 15 minutes wandering around what's fairly a small shop. 
in retrospect, he was probably waiting to see if my coworker with Leah's we would now well past closing. Closing. Finally, he placed an order for pickup on Valentine's Day with give me his name and info. The police report, I'm sure, is held a file. He buys a card, pulls out a wad, $100 bill, which he could slowly thumb through looking for the right one with the pay for his $40 order. I said he wants a bag as it wouldn't be very inconspicuous as he showed up home with a Valentine's card. He replies, no, I didn't feel like it's being inconspicuous tonight. Would seem like an obvious reference to the gun hanging, hanging out of his coat. He leaves. We quickly lock the door and watch him send the trunk outside. We're not able to exit the shop until he was gone. And he finally moves out of his parking spot and moving to another spot further away and continues to just sit there. Uh, hell no. Like, all signs are going off. I don't know how long we waited, but he finally left. I called my mom crying. She called the police who came to take the shop the next day to report. I told my best friend at the time what happened. She told her mother. Her mother happened to work with the man and formed security at her job. He said he was a very weird, creepy, and liked to talk about weapons a lot. Security at his job, it's a large company, government contracts and things that have to deal with tech and security, pulled into his office and questioned about it. He claimed it was just a glove in his pocket, not a revolver. The police were pissed that his company made contact with them about it before they did, and he successfully does police multiple calls and visits to his apartment. My mom, much to my team fear at the time, made me quit my job. It was devastating as I love working there. In retrospect, totally the right call. Dude came in on Valentine's Day to pick up his order. I never saw him again. Listen, we know. You know, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but sometimes you can look at somebody and you just know. You like, uh-uh, something is off about your ass. Like, <laughs> it's a gut feeling because sometimes you can have a gut feeling. I mean, yeah, it's good not to judge a person by the cover, but it's certainly gut feeling that alarm bells off. Yeah, I've, uh, and it's not always just somebody's looks. I've met like just good looking, quote unquote, men who have just kind of been all like, nah there something is not right about you like yeah mm -mm. and then they've said something totally out of pocket like before they even open their mouths they'll say something out of pocket and i'll be like yep that's what i thought <laughs> i knew i knew we knew somebody like that in uh high school yeah he likes to talk about weapons a lot and after like I think I ran it because he went to the same college as I did. And after I ran into him one time and he invited me back to his room and he showed me all of his, like his collection of knives and shit. I was like, I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> like, dodged a bullet. Dodged a bullet, girl. Or a knife to the back, literally. Aha, ha, aha. Yeah. Aha. But yes. Oh my gosh. Y'all be careful out there. Yes, yeah, so sorry for the trigger warning, everyone, but uh, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, yeah. Uh, hopefully, Belmars didn't give you any nightmares. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, guys, um, that's it. It's a short one today. I, 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 I don't know if I'm going to make this a bonus or not. I have two episodes that are short. I didn't post one, and so I might post them both tomorrow or maybe one today and one tomorrow but keep an eye out um for spooky things yes. um and yeah like be safe trick-or-treating out there children um ask for money you know <laughs> yeah. like we like we talked about last week 
go to like the like the expensive ass neighborhoods and ask for money yes money's nice money is always nice and yeah, don't like give like some wuss ass like candy like oh here's some mint and some toothpaste it's like i didn't ask to prevent cavities i asked for cavity <laughs> oh that is so funny i don't know why i'm so freaking tired today <laughs> Yeah, because staying out, I don't know. We're a lot closer to 30 than we are to 20, and we stayed up up to like 11. Like, my back is still sore, but I'm thinking I'm just going to take it easy. Yeah, listen. Um, well, again, guys, that's it. Like, uh, get your vaccines, get your boosters. Those are coming up. Um, cross, get your boosters if you have to. If you got Moderna the first time, get Pfizer the second time. Who knows? um and wear your mask cover your mouth don't go into work if you're sick cut off toxic relationships <laughs> and uh, notice red flags I'm not saying judge a book by its cover but if you have a gut feeling and i'm guessing also trust the gut feeling of those around you unless that person is toxic yeah exactly because i mean you hang out with the people you hang out with for a reason all my friends are sensible so if they met somebody that i liked and they were like mm, he's weird and <laughs> all like oh, okay they're probably right <laughs> and watch out for people with a missing toe yeah they'll probably kill you and cleave your head open <laughs> i'm just saying and unless they're a lumberjack uh they have no reason to be holding an axe exactly in broad daylight just out in public like what do you have that for yeah, stay safe, guys. Um, anyway, catch y'all uh, next month. Oh my god, it's November. Y'all, the year's almost over. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Uh 2021. Uh, I think I hope you guys made up for the stuff we missed in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm happy that most of my network, well, my bubbles vaccinated. And I'm looking forward to having a bigger Thanksgiving this year. So a lot of people sleep on Thanksgiving. And yes, the origins are fucked up, but don't sleep on Thanksgiving. And uh, well, for those that are in the US and uh, we can probably have something nice for Christmas and the winter holidays. Yes. Friendsgiving. All those other good things. Yes. Don't my do you know my father already changed his like ringtone to Christmas music? I was like, oh I was like, sir. And that was this week. I was like, sir, it's not even Halloween yet. And that man did not care. Looked me dead in the face. And he's like, and and I'm like, okay. Just so you know, when you meet Peter at the pearly gates, that's gonna be one of your sins. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus has a birthday. It's not now. Yes, I mean, I still have my fucking pumpkin still out. Exactly. Need y'all to stop disrespecting. Put some respect on Halloween's name and Thanksgiving. Anyway. Bye, y'all. <laughs> and Dia de los Muertes for those in the Hispanic community. Yay! Happy Dia de los Muertes! Halloween, sewing, all of the things. Um, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye, people. Bye.